The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie. All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. Welcome to another episode of All Things Techie Podcast. And I, first of all, to invite the right mouse, Simon, to you. Because, you know, in a studio environment, we uh, try and do things in a ah, wrong keyboard. We try and do things in a professional type of way. And then we find um, that we don't have the right keyboard, the right mouse. And then uh, we'll start all over again. So, um, this is, this is the outtakes of, uh, <laughs> we're on episode 12 of All Things Techie. It's Justin Dawson with you, along with Simon Lang. We are doing an audio podcast once again, simply because Simon's down in the back end of County Clare for another bank holiday weekend, where, what type of speeds are you getting on your device there, Simon? I- now I was getting a 0.3 of a megabyte upload and four megabyte download. 5G is on the way, Simon, isn't it? No, isn't that one of our topics? Anyway, yeah, today it, we're going it to talk is about one of our topics on, <laughs> on the program. We're going to talk about 5G, which apparently has hit the UK. We're going to uh, continue on on our conversation about child protection online. Huawei, uh, well, Huawei really hit the those headlines in the past uh, month. Game of Thrones is over. We have no spoiler alerts, but we are going to talk about calibrating your TV and did you have to do it when it was that episode where it just looked grey? Did you have to calibrate your TV? We're a year on from GDPR. Can you believe we're a year on from GDPR? Uh, what have we learned? Um, yeah, we're going to throw that question out uh, across Europe. Um, Father's Day is coming up in the middle of June, I do believe. June. Yes, and um, we're going to be asking what's the best techie uh, products to buy that daddy in your life. Um, and then we are going to talk about 5G. Well, let's start off with 5G and speed, Simon. Really interesting article that I, I came across, which was that... Minute University is in Ireland is testing 5G. Yeah, they've opened a center um, there, which ha- is is actually opening. Sorry, opening. It is providing facilities to companies and industry, not just to research, uh, with Internet of Things, and they have a purpose-built room which has um, no signals in and no signals out, which I thought was quite an interesting uh, one line out of the whole article. I was like, um, so they can do your testing in complete isolation. This is actually something that you had as a bit of an AV thing at one stage where you wanted to build a shelter. Well, sorry. So some one of your clients was asking you to build a shelter that had no ins or outs. Private to make a meeting room so private that the people in it couldn't be distracted mm. and the people um, couldn't get anything into it from the sense of stealing any information or conversations that were going on in the room. Um, we, ran in, we ran into issues with um, the Broadcast Commission that this is something that is actually illegal. 
it, that, that is really interesting. So if, if that's the case, then how is, well, I guess with Manitou University, they're just like testing speeds. They're not trying to disassemble people from the outside world. I presume so. So being it's a test, probably falls into R&D more than um, real life going on. And I think they're, they're actually the main reason behind um, Broadcast Commission was to do with uh, if, if something happened to someone in the room, there was no way of getting a signal out to ask for, even though there probably would have been a wired phone or whatever the case may be, because we were trying to block mobile signal nice. specifically. Yeah, it does. So yeah. I, I kind of didn't go too far into the details. Once the broadcast commission said no, <laughs> that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's really. The end of the conversation, really. Um, well, this comes from irishtechnews.ie, which is Minutes University, where I did my master's degree, and also very close to where Simon lives. So I, I think, Simon, why are you not involved in this project uh, as a testing and just get get a, a line straight to your house? Um, Minutes University today opened Ireland's national. 5G test centre, the state-of-the-art facility called Radio Space, which represents an investment of 1.5 million euro, is the country's first large-scale facility for the research and testing of radio and wireless technologies needed for 5G and the future of Internet of Things. Now, 1.5 million is spent on that, and they're calling it a national project. Why isn't this going to be tied in with our national broadband scheme in Ireland, Simon. I, I, you, I'm not expecting you to have the answer to this because you're not a politician and you did not go for candidacy in the latest local elections. But why do you think as a techie head that this is not tied in with the broadband national broadband scheme? Because I actually really do think about it. I am, my family loved to holiday down in Kerry. Um, outside of Kilorgan and I mean it is the back you go to the one corner of the house and you get a signal mm. and I like if you stuck a mast at the top of a hill into this would that would did 5G brought 5G into it you would actually revolutionize this whole valley mm. for people who live in the area who are mainly farmers I guess and forestry people so I can imagine what 5G as an option because the speeds even that they're getting in testing that I've seen in the UK is about 900 megs. Mm. And they said it's still early, early stages of testing is way faster than most people in Dublin on a cable are getting yeah. In, yeah. in internet speeds when you think about it. So as a person who's never had internet, um, I'd be delighted to be getting 5G um to my house at about 900 megs in the back of somewhere and i say back beyond we're not insulting people in the country but it's more just it's isolated but you'd so, love to see a break um, i think 5g could revolutionize the country it, it would revolutionize the country and you, you'd love to see a breakdown of this whole idea that it's going to cost millions and millions to do a national broadband scheme and everyone t- walking away there has to be more of a reason why everyone's walking away, unless it's the fact that to buy land to put up mass is just a Pandora's box. And that's why, for example, you can't get fibre to home or even 5G uh, mass that will corner every area of the, the country. 
But I think most of the country is already covered by mobile technology. Most, I don't think there's, if there is very many spaces in that mobile phone signal well, this from is if, one of the providers. Yeah, yeah like you, most, most of the places, like you can go down into the, you're talking about valleys down uh, that area of Ireland. Like you can go around the Sally Gap, the highest points of ireland um and roads of ireland and you can get a signal like i i will get uh, well it might be low it might not be a 3g signal but like you will still get a a phone connection now if the, if i'm getting a phone connection there why can't a 5g mast or 5g capabilities be put on that mast that's sending out that signal who knows? A place like Minuta University only can, can do it on uh, 1.5 million. And they're talking about how many billion to do the national broadband scheme. It doesn't make sense in my view. Yeah. And what does it cost someone to push a, a smaller house, which takes the SIM card? Um, I know a lot of the ones that are used at the moment are made by Yowie, um, that are used by Vodafone. So that might be an interesting conver- side conversation. But it's still like these routers don't cost a lot for and could be part of the package you pay when you get when you get the service where you pay it off over a year or two anyway, like you do a mobile phone. So I think it could be very easily done once they get the signal to the mass that they can share to the country i think it'll be great when we get speeds like this that will that now i would love to get proper 4g 5g so it'll be great Mm, well here's the interesting thing now we're talking about ireland okay and for all our international listeners yes belfast is part of ireland the island of ireland even though it's the uk okay just clearing that up before we talk about this. EE has turned on the UK's first 5G network today, which was on the 30th of May, across London, Ember, Cardiff, Belfast, Birmingham and Manchester. 5G connectivity is now available in limited parts of these cities. More than a month before, rival Vodafone plans to launch its own 5G service. So it's in Belfast. If it's in Belfast, could we not just spread it further down from... Northern Ireland into Southern Ireland. And now, I, I believe there's, a five, there's 5G testing already taking place in Dublin. It's just mm-hmm. um, localised in the sense of all the Vodafones or the Tree or Air are all doing their own localised tests before they make it available. But the other side of it is we don't have many 5G phones That's in problem. Ireland. And then we probably have to get new new sims as well to be able to handle the 5g because most of our sims are probably fair heard so you need to get a new phone that can handle 5g and you also need to get a new sim that can handle that as well i think we're going to put up a little uh document on our show notes of the difference between 2g 3g uh 4g and 5g speed i remember when i had an old I don't think it was even an Apple phone. I think it might have been, yeah, no, it might have been, it might have been a Nokia phone as well. Um, but I remember getting my first 3G phone, and I just went, "Oh my god, the speed is just unbelievable!" And being able to stream videos on my phone. So 
I can just imagine for people that are in the Nexus Awards where it, it, a megabyte is fast for them when they can actually get these top speeds. So let's remind our listeners there, Simon, what speeds are you getting currently on your computer down in County Clare? I'm getting about four megabytes upload and 0.3 of a megabyte download. But like, do you know what? This is, this is the sad thing, listeners, uh, that in parts of even Dublin, like my father-in-law ha- sometimes only gets that speed too. It's, and that's in, in Dublin. And yet the other parts of the streets have full connectivity to fibre. Uh, it's just one house on the on the street, his house, that isn't connected properly on the grid. Go figure. If you want to comment on this in any way, shape or form to Simon or myself, it's the All Things Techie podcast. You can visit our website at www.allthingstech.ie where in episode 12, you can hashtag All Things Techie for All Things Techie or you can Tweet me at Justin or Dawson or Simon at Simon Lang AB because Simon always forgets what his Twitter handle is. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I say it's there. It's just they have to test it further. You know, and the problem is, like you said, Simon, how many devices have we ready to, to run with 5G? Um, There's not very many mobile ones out yet. So that's the... Um, that's the hard bit, so I suppose people will have to start upgrading their phones. If it, um, but you know the way you can get the Vodafone hubs and the Tree hubs and, and so forth, like little mobile hubs that allow four, five, maybe six devices to connect to the internet. What's the top speed then if you have an older laptop with Wi-Fi enabled? <laughs> Because if you think about an old laptop, you're probably looking at the, um, is it the 802 Wi-Fi certificate? And most of them are like A or B or something like that, which is meant to be the fastest, where you're meant to get near enough to a gig mm. of a connection, but depends on the other side. So so if you think about, if, if you were able to get a, a 5G hub, in theory, you could have nine or ten people on that all getting a gig still, or yeah. you could yeah. have one person on it and they could be get more. But then it's down to the limitation of the laptop, yeah, and, and how fast its like, Wi-Fi could go. It really says, time that everything has to be updated. Your your laptop and everything will have to be updated at time. But then then you will have the people that will go into. A, a hardware shop or a computer shop and buy the latest laptop thinking that they're going to get 5G connectivity. It's going to be faster online. Might not read between the lines and just bring it home, try to connect it to their normal internet provider and just go, no, this, the computer is running faster, maybe with the processor, but my speed of the internet isn't. So, and this is where you have to read all the specs and understand all the specs of how to get faster internet connectivity and unfortunately in ireland it's not there <laughs> and where we we still wait and we might be up to episode 20 before this actually comes in properly in ireland give or take i found yeah i just found a chart here that 1g was at 2.4 kilobytes per second okay 5g is at one gigabyte per second 
So that is a huge leap, listeners. It is the All Things Techie Podcast with Justin and Simon. And if you want to get in contact with the program, you can do so by visiting our website, www.allthingstech.ie. You can tweet me at Justin or Dawson. You can tweet Simon at SimonLangAV. And uh, you can use the hashtag... Hashtag all things techie for all things techie. Now, we have a new part of our program that we just thought this would be fun. Let's have some AV folk on our program as guest hosts uh, within each one of our episodes. And we're pleased to have Michelle Laurie. Uh, she has an f- extensive career in technology sales that included representing numerous audiovisual manufacturers, including Utology and she also co-hosts the AV Life. But uh, you were an integrator at one stage, Michelle. Yeah, I worked for an integrator for a year. And then I realized um, I, that integration is really hard. And it is. It is. It's, it's, you know, it's part of a construction process. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was going to make me a crazy person. So I, I just migrated back over to the manufacturing side. And I worked for a rep firm for six and a half years, loved it. I uh, got to represent a portfolio of top, you know, pro AV manufacturers, and that was great. Uh, and then the opportunity came for me to go work for Utelogy, who I'd already been repping. Um, and it just seemed like the time was right. You know, they've, they've got a great team, uh, and they had just gotten a new CEO. And, and I, uh, I think that their time is now. I think they were a little early to market as a software solution. Um, we tend to be a little nimby-ish in our industry, you know. Uh, we, we are a little resistant to change uh, because if it's always worked, why are we trying to fix it? Uh, but I, I definitely see the same thing going on in Pro-AV that I saw in Telephony. When nobody wanted to go away from their digital PBX, they knew how to punch down a 66 and a 110 block. Yeah. And why do we need voice over IP? Well, because you do. And so <laughs> I, I think AV is finally getting there. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, of course, we, we need to go down the um, Joe Way approach. Is AV as a service? Is, is, is the, I'm sure you follow the AV tweets that Joe Way goes on about of AV as a service. Is this sort of what you guys do as well with Utility or? No, and I, I think, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Joe is he's not opposed to the idea of AV as a service. He's opposed to the way the integrators are trying to sell him AV as a service. Mm-hmm. And uh, I respect where he's coming from because specifically within his vertical, um, there's just certain purchasing mechanisms. And in AV, we never really think about how our client is going to acquire our technology. We just know they're going to need it. Um, and so they are, most of their projects are funded under a capital budget. And right. what people are proposing to him is to lease the gear. And then yeah. when he says, well, we can't really move that bucket of money over to uh, an operating expense with, without kind of redoing the way our business works in, in higher ed. That's a business. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, when he says that they go, they just change the nomenclature and say, Oh, well, it's a subscription. And he's like, it's, it's a subscription. It is not, you know, it's a lease that you're masquerading as a subscription and that yeah. I'm never going to do uh, with Utelogy AV as a service 
can have that aspect to it. I mean, if a, you know, a dealer uh, is savvy enough and, and wants to go through that work to set up an ability for a client to lease the gear in the room and, and have refreshes at X amount of years, uh, that can certainly be incorporated. But as a standalone, you know, it's real-time monitoring, it's real-time troubleshooting, you know, which our analytics show about 80% of, of all trouble calls are, can be resolved sub three minutes because it's user error, shock and right. awe. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and gathering that data and then extrapolating that data in a meaningful way so that you can observe remutilization, trends in technology adoption within your organization. Um, and so for us, AV as a service is this ubiquitous platform um, mm -hmm. that can really incorporate anybody's solution. Did you study anything in college that brought you into this type of field? The great thing about AV is that you can start like I did as an AV idiot. You can know nothing about AV. I remember sitting in a, a really long lunch and learn. It was an educational lunch and learn when I was at the integrator. Um, I think AMX was the manufacturer. It was about an hour and a half or two hours. Mm -hmm. And I was taking copious notes and I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, and they kept saying, oh, you don't need to write that down. You know, we'll send you the PowerPoint. And I was like, oh no, I, I need to write this down. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know what a digital signal processor was. I had no idea what a codec was. Um, you know, these were all new terms, active components, not something I'd ever worked in. And it was a really great feeling when a few years later, I went back and read these notes and I actually knew what it meant. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'd actually learned something. And at the time I did not know what I was writing. What down. are all these acronyms that we yeah, have in AV? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I did not, I, you know, I, I like, uh, my grandfather always liked technology. So we had that going for us um, mm -hmm. and was an early adopter. You know, we, we had uh, discs and all kind of other good stuff. Uh, laser disc technology and, and whatnot, you know, you had a Betamax and a VHS, uh, but uh, no, no, no technical background, but certainly I think I, I always have a desire to learn. Active components are interesting and fun. Uh, and, you know, I, it's much more interesting than structured cabling. Huawei, unless your head has been in the sand, listeners, and you're listening to a technology podcast, Huawei have had so many issues now uh, in the past month and it has been led by the president of the united states completely like at one stage calling a national security on the fact that huawei should not be allowed trade in the united states of america which created a bit of pandemonium and um how huawei then reportedly orders employees to cancel u.s meetings then all of a sudden donald trump decides that okay we're going to let you trade for the next couple of months and then uh, we're going to look, review you again. We're having a little squabble with China because we've been treated very unfairly for many, many decades, for actually a long time. And it should have been handled a long time ago and it wasn't and we'll handle it now. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to turn out extremely well. We're in a very strong position. We are the piggy bank that everybody likes to take advantage of or take from and uh, we can't let that happen anymore mobile phones coming into america is it a danger to america is it a danger globally do you think oh absolutely <laughs> I, I would never underestimate the chinese these okay. are these are uh, 
I, I would not, uh, I would never underestimate not only the people uh, in, from the country, uh, but even Huawei's culture. Mm. I mean, they, they reward their employees for uncovering trade secrets of their competitors. Um, and it's, it's based on just how good those secrets are on a sliding scale. So uh, they have no problem. They, they, that's part of their culture as a company. I don't care what their CEO says. He's got his own issues, as we all know. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I do think that they're a threat. And I do think it's a communist government. Uh, you know, they're, they have their hands in every business in their country. And mm -hmm. for you to think otherwise, my father, my stepfather has done business uh, with China since the, the late 1970s. And uh, I, I ran it by him and he said, oh, well, no, they're not being stupid. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I am quite an interest in it because I actually am a, a Huawei user. So, mm. so it interests me to find out what's going on and keep an eye on, but I know, from everything I've read so far, my phone is safe. It's future release phones is probably the bigger issue. But I was actually, during my research, I was watching a very interesting video on The Verge. Okay. Um, I, I got someone, I can't remember the girl's article, but she was actually talking about it from a larger perspective that it's actually more, it's not, Yahweh is probably the target, but it's actually a bigger thing than them. It's all to do with this uh, trade war basically between China and the US over that's what it is it is it's like and that's that's what we have to read between the lines again listeners and just say it is a trade war between the US and China and I think the US is it's it's a technological cold war and where like BBC Click had a full program and it, it was if I can find the, the links to the I'll stick it in the show notes, listeners. They did a little video, and I, I, I don't know that I sent this to you, Simon, of what would happen if there was a technological Cold War. How many things could be switched off? It's like the day after tomorrow or something, but not with floods or um, earthquakes. But like if you just switched off everything technologically, like traffic lights, emergency services, Internet of Things, like your alarm going off, your your cameras doing weird things, your your TV is flickering on and off, or broadcasting something that you're not. Your yeah, lights will turn off because I think about people are using smart lights. Smart lights. Electricity, electricity. electricity is probably managed by um by uh, what do you call it? sorry, techno <laughs> electricity um, plants and everything will yeah. be very technologically managed. So, so imagine it, all that, that stuff. So it, it was the worst case scenario. And if I wonder that BBC Click put this up as a YouTube uh, video. If if they did, we'll we'll stick it up uh, on our show notes. But it really was to me. It was like this is just pure exaggeration of what could go wrong if so it's, it's literally like saying what could happen if an asteroid hit i honestly believe that they're just using huawei as a scapegoat um it's not really the u.s that's putting the screws it's europe 
that is putting the screws on Huawei. I mean, their mobile phone sales have fallen off of a cliff because mm -hmm. everybody wants to know that they'll be able to get the latest operating system update. Right. And even though yeah. they say they have a plan B and they're coming out with another operating system, it's easier said than done. Operating systems are fairly complex programming. Um, they're not going to have it done by June. And, you know, their highest growth market for cell phones is Europe. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I think Donald Trump might own Samsung stock because he's just. Let's let's be honest. The computer chips and etc. are all made over in Asia, even if they have the Samsung name, the Microsoft name, whatever. It's just that they're not. Huawei is not a U.S. firm, so. Let's go after them. What could the Chinese be hiding? Mm, you know, I'm not a subject matter expert on mm. supply chain. Mm. Um, it's not to say that it couldn't, but I think that Samsung is smart enough to understand the gravity. And obviously, you know, they have their choice of where they buy components mm. and what chips they put in. And they're not going to let anyone sneak something in, right? It's a very right. tight exactly. supply chain. There's checks and balances. We don't know what's going into Huawei. I would agree, sir. I would agree that I understand there is a little bit of nervousness because it's like China wants to know what's going on in the US and vice versa and stuff like that. But I still think it would have, of all the spy stuff that goes on at the moment and um, they would, would have known about this for years not just all of a sudden since donald trump has decided to um block them so and then it's kind of like i wonder is it an opportunity on his part or an opportunity on the part of of the of the u.s i guess to push the what do you call it u.s only Yes. Um, industry approach and this is just a stab at them and in the meantime the department of defense is jumping in on it and using it as a let's get uh, dig in at china as well in the process and you do wonder will it, will it just all be settled out and eventually resolve itself because um in the video i was watching they were saying actually at the end of the day the companies that are going to and people are suffering the most is actually americans with huawei like they they don't just make mobile phones. Like they make a lot of different technologies. Does this affect them as the, on the run up to Infocom? Does this affect them on the run up to CES in 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 twenty twenty? Uh, I mean, they. I I think they will. I will think they will survive and they will continue to thrive in some degree. Maybe not at the rapid escalation that they've had over the last five years, which has been astronomical, their growth, their presence. Uh, but they're in a situation now where they're actually uh, selling off their 51% stake in their uh, subsea fiber optic network. Well, wow, um, okay. Yes, because those are contracts that uh, are huge and uh, very lucrative and they're being blocked from those contracts based really on the relationship between the US and, and the UK, mm -hmm. uh, which impacts New Zealand and Australia. And, you know, so yeah, um, it is, it is, it is hurting them, but they will survive. I mean, yeah. that's the reality because the Chinese government's not going to let them not survive. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a given. So well, just looking at their Shenzhen headquarters, for, and it just it it just looks a bit creepy. Why would you have such a big headquarters for a manufacturing plant? And we don't know I what. 
Yeah. And I, I, I sense you're not a fan of brutalist architecture. Is that like, you know, you have your Vegas, but then you have, um, you have what's going on in Shenzhen and just say, like, okay, that's a bit strange. Why, why are you like, you don't want to engage the other part of the world uh, yeah. with Google, but yet you have buildings that resemble other areas. Compared to Vegas, which which is welcome yeah. for everyone, and it links us nicely on with and um, this year it's not in Vegas, but Infocom. Are you yes. heading to Infocom? Of course, absolutely. I'll be heading to Infocom. Uh, we'll be doing uh, the mostly AV podcast at Starin Base Camp, uh, where okay. we were invited by the lovely uh, Christopher Neto to participate. Mm -hmm. So we're excited about that. Are you doing the road trip with Chris? No, we're not doing the road trip, but once we get there, he has uh, curated a, a, a whole bevy of uh, smaller podcasts that are maybe a little bit newer. So, you know, the tried and trues that we all listen to for years, the AV nations and whatnot, they don't need those. Those guys have a platform and they've been out there and they've got tons of listeners already. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's uh, hosting me um, and my co-host, Jerry. He's hosting Joe Way. So Joe's going to be doing... Uh, and Joe, of course, has the luxury of the higher education conference having just wrapped up. So he's probably going to have the, the best attendance of any of us. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the smaller podcasts uh, that maybe people haven't been exposed to. So I thought that was really generous and smart of him. And um, they're, they're doing all the heavy lifting. We just have to show up and talk. Chris was supposed to join us on this podcast. We are dying to get Chris at AV Phenom, uh, Mark Coxon onto the program. And each time we try and contact them, they're busy. So hopefully we will get uh, Chris and Mark, even if they're not on at the same podcast, we will get them on in the future and talking tech with us. We might even throw these same questions about Huawei and stuff with, to them. But, you know, I think, I think we need to do something similar when we go over to um, the next uh, ISE or something like that, where we just record ourselves the whole way across and do a live feed. That would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be fun. Yeah, but like it, it seems like Starin is actually getting into sort of like nearly a camper van and going across. <laughs> and, and, you know what? Uh, that I I just find that that's that spells disaster. I just think when we do it, Simon, we have to just like take a car and just drive across from like Ireland across to what. Probably the next ISE we're going to is we'll probably be going to uh, Barcelona. So uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun to, for us to try and get into a car and drive from Ireland to Barcelona? My, my fear is driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, we could cause a lot of trouble um, doing that in our case anyway, since I would be taking roundabouts in the wrong way, junctions in the wrong way. Oh, um, uh, could be very dangerous. Yeah. No, uh, like, see, so I, I don't mind driving, but I'm, I'm, I, I, I'll just come up to the roundabout and then swap seats with you and just go, right, your turn. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you get around this. I'll take over as soon as we get around this navigation point. Um, yeah, so... What are you looking forward to seeing or hearing or what do you think the future is at Infocom this year? I'm actually interested to see what um, changes Crestron are going to be bringing out. 
and um, being that I'm working in a very Crestron orientated building, I want to see usually there's some major releases and feature development and stuff like that. And um, so it's a bit selfish, but that's, I kind of want to see, is there any new features or stuff coming out? And I would like to see more on what's going on in the Dante integration with um, meeting rooms and stuff like that. And how we can make use of new of Dante stuff. And um, I know Aterio or Atalona, I think it's. Atalona, yeah. Atalona. Um, I even said that in a kind of a Spanish accent. Ooh, um, I think Spanish though. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, while, while time talks away, Justin's yeah. going to just find out where Atalona is actually from. Yeah, and they seem to have a few new products and devices they're releasing and they're becoming a small small um room systems they're developing that are like three and four um ins and two and three outs kind of stuff so they're becoming a small player in the market but being that they've already quite established themselves but they're the small player that's making great headway i had this conversation when i was on with um av nation and I actually made that exact same comment to you. I think Athlona are really going to ramp it up against the Extrons and the Crestrons in, in the next 12 months. Athlona, to fill you in, Simon, again, is a Panduit company, which is Panduit is based in, believe it or not, I'm still trying to find out. Um, so, um, but Panduit and Panduit about us. See, this is what this is where Simon and I struggle, and like you, just, I know all our American podcast friends and AB tweets are going, "Do Justin, do Simon?" Like we know this answer because, but when we're over in Ireland, like we're trying to keep up with like how Samsung owns. Oh, we had this before, Simon, and it's just got too late in the in, 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 in so so Samsung owns AMX, which also owns Harman, which also owns Crown, and all those other ones because um they bought out, keep buying each other out. So that's a they're a big one to play because in the market it's like you think of Samsung as phones and TVs, but they own all these other smaller other companies, which is um quite amazing to keep buying them up and expanding because some people think our amx is is disappearing but it's actually not panduit uh, is in the states um i don't know where exactly in the states i was just trying to navigate around that site there while you were talking um but panduit being at lona yeah I, th- I think that lona is going to grow for people that have never been to infocom have, have you i must ask have you been to ise and i have so, oh yeah so, I've not only been to ISE once, I've been twice. So, awesome. So yeah, I'm a veteran. Compare ISE to Infocom. Is there a comparison? Mm, uh, less skinny jeans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I would say, yeah, th- there is. Um, well, the, the rye is really confusing. It is. Um, it's it, hugely confusing. And the, the first time I went there, I got lost. I get lost inside of one hall. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I'm just like, oh, I didn't think I could get more lost. Um, yeah, so uh, the way that that particular convention center is set up is just crazy. Um, I would say Vegas is pretty easy because you just have a North Hall and a South Hall. So we, you, know, you can get the lay of the land. Orlando is nice because it's just one big rectangle. Um, I think ISC in some ways 
has a, a different energy because you also have the residential show combined with the pro AV show. And here in North America, never the twain shall meet. Uh, the resi guys think that we're boring. Um, they like doing Cedia. They think it's a, mm -hmm. a better, you know, more focused show for them. Yeah. Um, and if you happen to serve both masters, then you just have to do both shows. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. I think ISC is the show where everybody announces what's coming and mm -hmm. then they work hard uh, and run, 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 run all the way up to Infocom to make sure that it's finally working and or shipping. <laughs> so okay. they promise it to you at ISC and then they deliver it to you by Infocom. Um, and, uh, but other than that, I think uh, lots of similarities. I mean, you know, it's about meeting the people, uh, camaraderie. I think, you know, for what I do was in software sales, uh, our mantra is, you know, ABC, always be curious. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that mantra applies to going to these shows. I think you need to give yourself a few hours where you don't have anything booked, where you can just snoop around and ask people questions. And, and you I know. think that's the key of ISE. You, you can overbook yourself at ISE and then realize I'm in hall one. I need to be in hall 12 in 15 yes. minutes time. This is not going to happen. No, I know. Well, and especially when you get into a really meaningful, maybe you've got a use case, a problem you're trying to solve, and you finally found the person that manufactures the product that you needed to solve this problem. And so you're trying to drill down with them and you look at your watch, and you're like, oh, you know, how am I going to get uh, five, five, oh, five you're holes? You're walking out? outside a hall, Michelle, and someone hands you a beer and you're just like, oh, right. That will, that will keep me here for a minute. So you can talk. Absolutely. About yeah. Squirrel. Okay. What, where's yeah. that? Was I going somewhere? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I, you know, you see a lot of the same manufacturers uh, that you see over here in the States. Difference, it's really cold uh, in Amsterdam in February. I think Barcelona will solve that problem come 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really hot, whether you're in Las Vegas or Orlando. And yeah. whatever they say about dry heat, I'm not buying that. Hot is hot. Going back to what you were saying about Crestron, um, an AV tweep who uh, was main nameless um, actually told me that they had a meeting uh, recently with Crestron and some of the Crestron stuff is supposed to be out of this world. They are really going to ramp things up and go more down the route of the IT end of AV. That's what I was told. That's Yeah, that's, that's what I... Yeah, I actually think that's probably where they're going because um, I wouldn't, with their um, Flex system that they've just uh, recently released, um, it seems to be that kind of, it's more for IT people to understand AV and fusion and mercury units and all these things that it's now, they're trying to orientate them that an IT person could understand how to use them. But um, I... But having said that, the way he, he described it to me, it was a he, won't name his name, but he's a good listener and a, a fan of All Things Techie podcast. He actually said to me that there will be room for the likes of the Crestron Masters that will still have to program. And then there will be stuff that's going more down what I call the extraordinary route, where you can, it's user-friendly, it's more... I won't say open source, but it's more that the you don't need to be a master to do it. Exactly. Or you, exactly. 
you yeah. can be you can be a skilled AV technician with some skills without having to sit and do a Crestron Masters course, but you'd be able to get a room functional quite yeah. easily. And even because I even think with Crestron and they're doing their masters and all like that, and you have to be very skilled to do that. Very their studio program, which is I would say is a lot more drop the blocks kind of stuff mm-hmm. than for building rooms. So you they're actually trying to cater for both that you still need your master per programmer for your big complex rooms but for a simple meeting room uh, a person with decent IT skills and AV skills could probably knock a, knock a room together and drop a program using Creston Studio very quickly. Um, I think it's interesting because when you do have such a, a large market share right? You don't ever want to alienate your base. It's almost like being a politician, right? So they don't want to alienate their base. Um, I saw that whenever QSC came out with their platform several years ago. Uh, It was very interesting in how they handled it. Uh, They said, oh, look, you know, you can use this type of code and it we've got a Dell server for you. Now, the irony is that Dell server was completely locked down. It, it, you know, uh, they might as well just put a QSC badge on it. Uh, yeah. It was just a, it was a QSC box with QSC logic and programming and all the great things QSC does. Um, just had a Dell label on it. I was like, I saw what they were trying to do because they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and they don't want to tell any of their, you know, fans that, hey, guys, we're going a different direction. Um, and so they kind of were doing the dip the toe in the pool you know, slowly. And so uh, there's a trade-off. But what happens is when you're dealing with a foot race, and I think one of the things Utelogy suffered with for a little while that they've since overcome, uh, they were really too early to market. You know, it's hard when you're a pioneer um, mm-hmm. and you get there. And so you're doing a lot of evangelizing and educating and explaining that there's a paradigm shift and everybody else is like, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear about your paradigm shift. Uh, what about my programming? And that represents 30% of our revenue. Um, but I think now the time is here. And I think the the big memo that the AV world does not want to receive is that Clients want something that is agnostic. They don't want to be tethered to any one particular product or solution. And I'll, I'll, I'll agree on that basis that every time I went to ISE, now I wasn't at ISE last year or just gone, but I was, the year before when I went to ISE and I'm looking at different things, whether it be hardware, whether it be touch screens where, for, for meeting rooms. And my ultimate gripe was where a salesperson, I would nearly walk away once they said, oh, and we have Skype for business. Yeah. Skype for business. No, no, don't give me Skype for business. I can't stand Skype for business. And why can I not Skype? And sorry, Microsoft. I, I probably have just <laughs> Microsoft ever uh, sponsoring this podcast. Why I don't like Skype for business is because your normal Skype doesn't integrate with Skype for business. And yes. And then you have login details. And working in higher education, this is my biggest gripe, is, Justin, I want to do a Skype call. No, you don't want to do a Skype call. Why do I not want to do a Skype call? Because do you have a Skype account? No. Oh, you want to talk to someone that has a, that's working in another university that has a Skype for business account? This isn't going to work. Hey, I know something that works completely over all across all boards. 
let's do a virtual meeting where you can use web or TC and you can get in something like Zoom. Zoom, yep. if you want to sponsor our program. <laughs> <laughs> no, good point. I actually uh, last year helped a client troubleshoot for several hours because they were uh, using a, a clear one codec, uh, which does uh, SIP and H.323. And uh, they had the Skype module. And for some reason, it couldn't talk to Japan. And after four hours of discovery, we realized four hours. <laughs> well, we realized that Japan wasn't using Skype for business. They were using regular Skype, which is a completely different product. And I, there you go. That, yeah. That's the type of stuff, right? They're like, but it says Skype. Yeah, that's just a label. My thought of where, what to look out for at Infocom is Logitech. I think Logitech is another one of these companies that is either going to be bought over or they, they're a forerunner. And people say, oh, you know, it's not up to the quality. Look. If we strip down what a good AV professional should be doing when they're an integrator is they're going to their client and saying, what are you looking for and what is your budget? And often, I think Logitech is a great, still, people that I talk to always find Logitech to be the cheap version. And I, I, I don't believe that. I, I actually think if it does what it says on the tin, if it's offering the functionality that you're looking for, you should go for it. Now, what's better, Vegas or Orlando? It, you've probably done both. Yes, I, I've done both. I've been, I've been going since 2012. My first big show was actually NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters. Oh, nice. it's, it's held yeah. in Las Vegas every year. It is a global show, very much like ISC, has about the same attendance, that eighty to 90,000 person attendance. Um, and they actually use both halls and the outdoor for all of the big satellite equipment that they're showing. Um, and I walked up and my mind was blown. So I had never seen anything like that. Um, I do, I think I'm partial to Las Vegas. You know, Orlando's okay. Um, it's kind of hot. It's the summer. So, uh, you know, lots of families. The traffic is ridiculous. Um, going down International Boulevard, heaven forbid it rains, which it, it can, you know, it's central okay. Florida. Uh, then the traffic, it's just like in Houston, it, you know, it's 10 times worse yeah. than it was five seconds before. Um, I like the hall better. Uh, I think there's more restaurants in Las Vegas too. Yeah. And it, yeah, it just seems like Vegas is easier. To I think there's bigger parties as well with the bigger manufacturers in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or at least they feel bigger. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. A lot of people don't like Vegas, but I'm not one of them. Uh, and we do tend to get people, more people from both coasts will go to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from the western side of the country don't get inspired to fly all the way to Orlando. You know, it's just not worth the five-hour flight. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think we get a little bit, uh, I think we get a little bit more diversity in terms of what part of the, the country or the continent they're coming from. I, I am, I do want to check out, uh, I mean, not to, to give a, a shout out unless they want to become a sponsor, but uh, Panopto is coming out or has come out with a new camera uh, mm -hmm. that somebody was telling me about that incorporates a lot of room analytics Mm -hmm. into uh into it, its uh offering and i think that's interesting and valuable 
And especially because we're developing an API with them. So I want to see what goods they bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, because we're agnostic. So I, you know, I, I'll just be looking for people that I think are going to be a good fit to, uh, to work with. Uh, I'm, at completely agnostic. I don't care if you're AVB. I don't care if you're Dante. I, you know, I, it doesn't matter to me. Um, so I, yeah, SDVOE, more power to you. you yeah. know, it doesn't matter what alliance, what chipset you use. None of that matters to me. I don't know. I think, you know, this year is going to be uh, a little bit more kind of hammering on people that now is the time and that things are going to ride on a network. It doesn't yeah. have to be I, the I same. Think- I think you've hit the nail on the head there that it is getting more AV slash IT, AV over IP, SDVOE. Right. It is, it's going down that way. And it's like, guys, embrace it or feel left behind. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with doing the old school stuff, right? And, and doing it the way it's always been done. That has legs, right? And it's been that way for a long time. We're going to see another decade of people still doing it that way. But in the meanwhile, (laughs) those that are working with maybe larger clients where they feel the pain of a lack of visibility into their AV assets and their endpoints, and they would like to be able to incorporate uh, the ability to manage those assets with their existing IT help desk. So, yeah. you know, if I'm using ServiceNow or if I'm using Remedy or any of the others, um, I don't want to have two separate help desks. I want to be able to incorporate one into the other. Uh, that way I don't have to retrain my people. They're not looking at two disparate things. They're looking at what they're always used to looking at. Um, those are the types of things that customers want. And I want to see how far everybody else has gotten in terms of what their offering is. Before we go, Michelle, I must plug your, your Twitter name or if you want to plug your other podcast, please do so. Uh, yeah, uh, Mostly AV Podcast. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. Uh, well, of course, they're changing iTunes, but that's a whole other topic. We won't go down well, that Well, yeah, road. no, like, I, I can't keep up to date with iTunes. I just, I just give the link to our website and just go, no. guys, if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe there. There's loads of different ways to uh, yeah. yeah, or they can uh, they can follow me at Vacajun uh, on Twitter, V A C A J U N, which is now a, you a, have to explain how you got that Twitter handle. Uh, that is a a term that my grandfather created. It's a, a Cajun on vacation, a Vacajun, okay. and um, <laughs> I I I, uh, I was born and raised in Southern Louisiana, mm-hmm. and it was also the name of my grandfather's boat, and. Okay. For some reason, when I first got on Twitter back in 2009, I just decided I was going to use that name. <laughs> and awesome. I, didn't, I didn't even know how to use Twitter. I actually didn't actively use it. I mean, I tried to use it. Uh, and that's and- the same as me. Like, until, until you enter the world of AV and someone introduced me to AV tweets, and all of a sudden, like, I'm an I'm a absolute social media junkie on this AV well, Oh, no, I loved it. What I loved was just getting to meet so many people. Uh, That's how I met uh, Kevin McLaughlin with the Royal Society of Medicine, um, was through Twitter, you know, and uh, I had uh, tweeted 
something that I thought was bollocks and then I got accused of defamation. That was probably one of my least fun social media <laughs> moments. Uh, and Kevin was so kind. I'd never even used the direct message function in Twitter. And he sent me a direct message and said, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's all. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and I was like, Oh, a hashtag. That's when I created hashtag AV Brits and hashtag AV bollocks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I, I love all the guys. Uh, I love all, all the international friends that I've made. It's just, it's fascinating. It's so it interesting is. to me. We've, yeah. we've made AV fun where, where people will go, God, that's, that's a, you know, speakers and microphones. No, it's not. It's a lot more than speakers and microphones. And, and, it is and, a, it's a big dysfunctional family. I love that. Um, but it's an amazing community. If you'd asked me two years ago, so Michelle, are you going to be doing some AV podcasting with a guy over in Ireland? I'd be like, no. <laughs> what, what's AV podcasting? What is that? You know? Um, so I love it. You know, we're a family, we're a community. Uh, and it, I think it also helps in getting the next generation involved. Right. Absolutely. You know? uh, the, the brings up a great question there michelle and we'll, we'll end it on this like if you were a 17 year or 18 year old that wanted to get into av what would you tell them uh i would what tell them <laughs> well um you know that's a good question because here's the thing it's an industry right so mm -hmm. you know you would study one thing if you wanted to go into av marketing right mm -hmm. then you would study something different if you wanted to go into av programming um you know i i don't know uh evixa has a program that they're putting together right uh right. to educate the next generation and i'm curious to investigate what that program looks like because it looks really interesting um and I, I love that they're doing that um, because I don't know, you know, I, people come in from all, I've got friends that came in from the car audio industry, right? So they worked installing car back when that's what you did, right? It was a thing. Um, I've got people that came in like myself from the networking side of the equation, uh, people that were operating soundboards uh, as a volunteer for their house of worship. Uh, I love that we have so many musically inclined and talented people because a lot of people come in from the music side of the house um, and who doesn't love a musician, right? Uh, so you know, I think if anyone has a passion for the all things audiovisual, um, I don't know where I would direct them. I would just say it's such a it is a large umbrella. It is a massive umbrella. Like, I, and I've has asked this question to so many different people in the UK and Ireland and Australia, and they've all come in in different sectors. And yeah. And yes, we're still involved as one big family supporting this whole end of things. You know, like some people have come in and they've done teaching at, at, at drama school. And, and yeah. then I've done Forming music arts. production and management, you know, but we like, and that I can even say that Avixa, it's obviously great. And it's a global uh, trade association with a training program. It doesn't teach some things like what I've learned from doing my master's degree, which is TV and radio production, or yeah. which I'm being asked, which you say, well, is that audiovisual? Well, yes, I'm using a camera. I'm using a yep. microphone. It is audiovisual. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, broadcast. Or even um, I've had the pleasure of podcasting with uh, Kim Frank, um, and she's on the digital signage side of the equation and marketing and that whole aspect. It's that whole sub industry, right? Um, it's fascinating. There's so many different ways that you could do it. Um, 
But yeah, I would say maybe if there's an AV group, they do have AV groups in the high schools here. I don't know if they have uh, any of those. We have LTSMG. We have, yeah. 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 Uh, get involved in that. Mm -hmm. um, at the colleges, uh, they're always looking for people uh, to work much less expensively than the integrators would. Well, <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so, uh, you know, those jobs are there. Uh, that's one of the things Joe was very proud of. One of the guys, uh, one of his students that had worked with him for several years when he graduated, he got hired as a project manager. He mm -hmm. already had four years of training. He already had all this great hands-on experience. Uh, and I, I think the industry is also very open and accepting because we do all come from different places. Uh, they're very open-minded. You know, some people transition well. Some people come in and, and go back out. You know, it just depends. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's, it's kind of, it's very AV mafia-like. It, it's it hard is. to get out. It is you, hard to get out. Yeah, no, you, it's sort of, you get, you keep on getting dragged back in. Father's Day is coming up in the middle of June, Simon. If I was to say, as a daddy, if, if you were allowed to pick something techie that with no limitations on budget, what would you go for? I would love a set of the Wi-Fi light bulbs. Ooh, and how cool? I don't know. They're just kind of cool. Something to play with in the house. And I have actually found myself Googling on Amazon um, Wi-Fi plugs. Yes. Where it's basically an adapter you put between the plug and the plug of the device and the plug socket on the wall. Mm -hmm. So you can connect them to your Google Home, which then you can also then control remotely and stuff like that. I just, they're just gadgets. Like, and, and you have not got Wi-Fi plugs yet? No Wi-Fi plugs, no Wi-Fi light bulbs. I would love to give them all a try. I just can't justify spending the money on them at the moment. Where I, if they're I, for Father's Day, they're gifts. Uh, they, are, they are gifts you know and, and for my birthday i was able to convince jen to to let me buy a um a nest video doorbell and i love it and now this 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 is a, the story that how it goes listeners she's like why do you need a video doorbell and it's like well i just like it it's cool and, you know it's my birthday and she's like, fine 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 so we got it in the one thing that I have to tell our listeners, and I'm going to make a little how-to video and stick it up soon um, on All Things Techie or on my own uh, website, but um, <laughs> it's, you need a, an extra transformer to run the doorbell here in Ireland. And this is something that Google don't mention because mainly it's an American firm. And they do give great information on how to install this video doorbell. But... It is electrics. If, you, if you're not familiar with electrics and how your doorbell uh, chime is wired, you could get a nasty bang off it. So um, I do get it installed professionally and um, love it. But you can also record 24-7 uh, for an extra 50 euro a year you can record. Um, but where I'm going with this is one of the days I was expecting a package and I thought, oh, great, the postman's going to ring the doorbell and I can talk back to the postman. And what did the postman do? He delivered it to my neighbor. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Postman. I know, I, I know what you look like. I'm so <laughs> um, But I do have the wireless uh, plugs 
and you can you can pick up wireless plugs quite cheap. Like I I have like simple Belkin ones that are maybe twenty euro each. You know, it it's gimmicky. It but it connects to my hive, and I'm able or and I'm able to schedule them, and I'm able to switch them off and on if I'm out of the house. Um, just as a security type of feature, but for wireless um, lights, I don't see the necessity. Um, if someone gave me some, I would, um, I would wire them up. But here's the interesting thing: Will you have Rebecca then going around and going, "Hey Google, light on, light off, light on, light off, light on, light off"? Because my Kieran has decided that like the the actual switch on the wall, the wall switches for lights is the best toy ever. It's just that he can't reach up to them yet, you know? So I can imagine how kids will just start going, light on, light off, light on, light off. Now, imagine, yeah, the same, yeah, I can imagine that happening, but imagine the ability to say that you have teached your Google Hub that sits in your room or home or your bedroom, whatever, that you can just lie there and clap your hands twice together and the lights in the whole house just go off like that instantly. That's, 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 it's, 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 it's a gimmick. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, it's a bit like that. It's like the, the, all those lockable door locks now, the Wi-Fi door locks that you're seeing appearing on Kickstarter and all of those ones. So you have those, you have your lights, you have your cat, your doorbell. There's a massive promotion by Google on Sky, I think at the moment on Nest and doorbells and stuff like that and ring i think is your company so so there is there is a lot kind of going on in that space and they're showing it in it being used quite well but um, i still am not comfortable with having a, a digital lock or 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 an internet of things lock on my front door or something like that i just really am and i still question and i love some insurance companies to come on air like <laughs> that's another uh, podcast that we could get into um about insurance companies and the hike in premiums and stuff like that and then different politicians in ireland trying to sue but with our insurance system in ireland listeners for all our international listeners is a bit of a farcical and um, so but i love to know what is the rules and regulations and will insurance co- companies cover policies if you said, I have a digital Internet of Things lock on my front door? Would yeah. <laughs> well, does a premium go up like a couple of thousand euro? Um, I just don't like the idea of having, even if it's a fingerprint lock or whatever. Like some of these, like you said, Simon, on Kickstarter and the likes, some of these locks are maybe only ten, fifteen dollars to buy, and you just go, "Yeah, it's a fingerprint lock," mm, you know. And then you say to yourself, "Okay, it's cheap, but what if you lock it and, like, let's say you're using it to lock your bike or something, and then you put your finger to it, and it's because you bought a cheap lockable fingerprint scanner." lock it's not opening anymore and then you go to your mobile phone and try to unlock it and it's still not locked like there's a do you have to cut the chain off off this lock or 
or how, what do you do? You know, and then you just say as well, if it's cheap, how easy it is, is it for someone to hack open it and open it? That's, that goes down the whole standards area again with internets of things, which is a Pandora's box at the moment. So if, they steal your, if it uses your phone and you, and you, they steal your phone, they could walk up to your front door and unlock your front door with your phone. Yeah. And the, 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 this is where we, I love someone to come on at an insurance company and, and tell us, like, well, what's the policies of, of this? There is a written in the contracts and for homes, home insurance now. Let us know. Um, All Things Techie podcast, you can visit our website, www.allthingstech.ie. You can tweet us uh, at Simon Lang AV or at Justin or Dawson. It's myself. For me, Simon, for Father's Day gift, I would love like if if there was no budget on it um, and you know what not the most it's it's slightly more expensive than what you're talking about but I think the um, internet of things vacuum cleaners are really cool I I just love to get myself one of those little iRobots that just spins around the house especially when you have a toddler who's decides to drop crumbs off the table constantly (laughs) like it, it used to be great when you had a dog that used to just like scoop them all up and stuff like that. But like now I'm getting to the stage where I go like I'm constantly brushing away bits and pieces of food. And I just think a robot that just can zoom around the, the floor and and censor anything that's in the way. I, I just think this an iRobot would have to recalibrate itself like every two minutes because Kieran has put a toy in his in this way across across this path as it tries to go hoovering around things but i've seen one of these in operations like my sister has one of them and i have to say it recalibrates itself very quickly and figures out oh there's an obstacle in the way and goes left or right and yeah, uh, yeah i've seen it because i um, i've seen it here in in clare actually in a big farmhouse they have um i wouldn't say it's an internet-based one it's just a, a robot that mm. has a has a base to go to and charge itself when it, but yeah, it zips around the floors um cleaning up and it it's amazing. It, I I actually would love to see the pattern it creates in a yeah. map of your I think, home. I think some of the um the more advanced one of these robots uh, actually do does give you a printout of where it goes around in your house and you can actually tell it where to go or whatever. Would I go out and buy one tomorrow with my own money? No. <laughs> I, I, I can see better things to spend 300 euro on. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. But I think things are going to start dropping like in price because you see the, um, oh, what companies, like another Chinese company, uh, Zomi, Zomi, I think is how you pronounce it, X-I-O. Oh, yeah. yeah. They seem to be creating a lot of stuff that makes it a lot cheaper than, and the brand is very well known in China. So it has a great standard. So it's just not caught on as much here. Um, well, when when will Donald Trump jump on board their bandwagon and say that they're spying us through their the vacuum cleaner? Who knows? But uh, <laughs> thank you to Michelle who's joined us on the All Things Techie podcast this month. If you 
are an AB Tweep, or an AB Professional, or want to just join in in our programs, we would love to have you on board talking tech with us. We talk audiovisual, we talk technology, we have some fun along the way doing so, myself and Simon. Get in touch with the program. You can contact me, Justin Dawson, by tweeting me at Justin or Dawson. You can contact Simon at Simon Lang AB, or you can send us an email to our website. Our website is www.allthingstech.ie. This show has been brought to you by Extreme Media. You can visit our website there at extrememedia.ie. And from me, Justin, thanks to Michelle and from Simon, thanks for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button. It means a lot to us and we'll see you in the next episode. All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie.